What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. So pretend that I'm a babysitter, and this is the very first time that you're leaving your kids with me. What would you tell me about them? What would what triggers them? What comforts them? What what should I know if you were leaving your kids with me for the first time? And I get some great answers, and it clues me into whether I may have someone that might be neurodivergent there. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to dive into today's conversation with Stacy Fiesel. Stacy is a mama of a neurodivergent 10-year-old and so far a neurotypical 6-year-old. She has her hands full. She's been running her own photography business with compassion and a zest for learning for 6 years. Her experiences in navigating how to best serve her daughter throughout her life journey has brought her to the place of advocating for the neurodivergent community. Life for neurodivergent families is complicated and a delicate balance, and she knows this firsthand and has worked hard to create a safe space for these families in front of her camera lens. She's so excited to share what she has learned through the years after talking to professionals about how, as photographers, we can better serve the neurodivergent community. Welcome, Stacy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. It's interesting because I actually had coffee with a friend um, from high school 
and we kind of just have been trying, we've been playing tag for 20 years and she's the mother of a a son with autism. And so we were really talking about, she's also a photographer. Yes. So, so I was like, this is so great because I'm going into this conversation with Stacey next week and I have so many questions. Oh, good. (laughs) um, Can you share maybe a little bit about your personal journey as a mother of a neurodivergent child and how it has influenced your approach to family and newborn photography? I would love to. Yeah. So my daughter, uh, Tessa, and I did, I did speak with her. I talked to Tessa and I got permission to share her diagnosis and honor that she's okay with me talking about that. Um, and so let me, yeah, I'll share some of my journey. Tessa's just an amazing kid, first and foremost. And that's so great. Like she was ahead of the curve and we we're all like proud as parents. Like she was walking and talking before nine months. So wow. yeah. Right. So on the move and on the go. And then, uh, we kind of realized that the side that comes with that is that uh, she also has a lot of sensitivities. So yeah. we realized that she would get super overstimulated in loud environments, had a really hard time sleeping, clothing was really challenging, and we started really seeking help when she was in kindergarten because kindergarten was was a challenge um, and then got her diagnosed. So her diagnosis is, I call it her alphabet soup because there's all these letters that just float around, right? Um, so she's got ADHD and she's got the um, combined version, which means she's both hyperactive and inattentive, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, is kind of fun. She just checks out. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, she is autistic, so she's high functioning. She's very smart, has an incredible memory for everything, which is only sort of annoying because she'll remember everything you said. Yeah, everything. <laughs> like, <"Wait>, everything, right? <laughs> you didn't say maybe. <laughs> I know. It was, there, was, there was no qualifier there. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's also, so in the sensory processing challenges, um, sensory processing disorder isn't technically like a diagnosis, but that definitely comes into play. And there's reflexes that didn't get integrated. So she skipped crawling and she went right to walking. And so she has balance issues that we had to work through with occupational therapy and stuff. And so definitely a big journey, you know, yeah. oh, and then all of that just adds anxiety. So she's got yeah. anxiety as well. <laughs> and all of that, um, I started my career full time when my second daughter was born because yeah. I couldn't afford two kids in daycare and I have a photography and painting degree. So I'm just going to go for it was yeah. what I decided. And I just structured my sessions the way that would work for my daughter, for Tessa. I didn't even know what golden hour was when I started. Yeah. I just did all my sessions in the morning because that's when Tessa did the best. And I started working with all these families that had so much energy and I just played with them. And I ended up really growing my business with referrals because I had such compassion and people felt comfortable with me. So it was, it was a beautiful way to start. And I didn't really realize till about a year ago that what I do at my sessions is different yeah. than other photographers until I plugged into a Seattle photography group here and was like, oh, you don't do that? Oh, you don't? I'm like, oh. And so um, it's really developed a a wonderful business for me. And what I've found is I encounter neurodivergent people in every aspect of photography, whether I'm doing headshots or weddings or newborns, especially. So all my newborn sessions I do in home and I even do the post studio style in home, which it allows for those like high energy kids. They can be there for the family portion and then go check out and instead of having them hang out in the, the sessions. So it's, yeah, it's really led to a lot of fun success and meeting great people. Yeah, I love that. What I find fascinating too is 
you know, back because we were, we were talking before we were on camera, we we're both in our 40s, that I sometimes wonder if I probably should have had an ADHD diagnosis as a child because a lot of the things that I'm seeing and things that I think for myself or maybe I have turned them into superpowers, but yes. I sometimes wonder if those would have been at the time diagnoses for neurodivergent symptoms. Absolutely. I totally think that if I were to seek a diagnosis, I would have ADHD too. Yeah. But yeah, they, there are so many wonderful side, like not side effects, but things that go along with these diagnoses. They're yeah. really good at problem solving or so creative. I would actually challenge most of us photographers mm -hmm. are probably <laughs> neurodivergent yes. in some way, shape or form. <laughs> or like the, I focus on like hyper-focus or like no yes. focus at all. It's like exactly. either that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we were, I have a shirt that says I have so many tabs open and I don't know where the music's coming from. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's life. so, so true. Now advocating for the neurodivergent community really seems like a significant passion for you. And I love this so much. So how has this advocacy translated into the way you structure and approach your own family sessions? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a really rare parent that actually shares with you that their child is neurodivergent before yeah. the session. And that's, that's just because they don't know you. You're a photographer. You're going to be in their life for an hour or maybe three if you're doing a newborn session. And so they, they don't always open up. And a lot of it becomes me advocating for the, what the kid is comfortable with at the mm -hmm. session. So I mentioned that Tessa had balance issues earlier. And you'll kind of see that in sessions when you like, oh, throw the kid on your shoulders, right? And if the kid really panics, then I can tell that there's probably something going on. And so it's yeah. really being like, hey, nope, they're uncomfortable with that. And let's take them down. That's not a pose that we're going to do this time. Yeah. A lot of it really becomes at the session about making sure that the kid feels really comfortable. And I do that for every session. It doesn't necessarily have to be one that is specifically neurodivergent. So Yeah, 100%. Yeah. One thing I've noticed in my own sessions has been children with specifically with outfits and, and clothing that they feel comfortable or they feel safe with. Yeah. And just really not pushing. Like even though as photographers, we get this idea in our head, everybody wants to have these picture-perfect stylized sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's hard because you interact with a child who just, you can tell they do not feel mm -hmm. safe or comfortable in what they're wearing or what they're being forced to wear for the session. Absolutely. And so like, do you step in at that time when you see someone who's, you know, for wanting or forcing their child to be wearing something and you can tell that the, the child just doesn't want to? Um, so I don't tend to style my shoots, but in that in that way, if they're trying to force them to do something, then yeah, I do step in. I actually have a blog about dressing for a neurodivergent child. So when awesome. I do my pre-session stuff, I send out, I have one for like, I send out both links on, hey, here's how to dress your family. And if you think, you know, here's this one too, I'm not judging. And they can read over the how to dress for a neurodivergent. And it talks about get the um, clothing like a month before the session and let the child pick it, let yeah. them try it on, like really work with them. My, my daughters won't, won't wear anything yeah. cute and flowy and it's, you know, it's just is what it is, but yeah, you have to really respect that those yeah. clothing it's, and it, what it does is when it, it'll set off 
a nervous system fight or flight thing in their body. So it's not just like, oh, they're uncomfortable. It actually is triggering them that there's danger. And that is, if you lose the kid at the session, man, it's just all over. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Now I'm assuming bribery is probably not going to be as useful as maybe it is with non-neurodivergent children. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, it is because a lot of these kids have a lot of anxiety. It's just a byproduct. Like they, they feel that they don't fit in the world and they're trying their best, but it really creates this like anxious heart in them. Um, so I actually really recommend that parents, you know, cause parents are like, Oh, if you're good, we're going to go get ice cream afterwards. Right. And I make it part of my pre-session communication that, Hey, don't, don't do that. Don't make it conditional because it increases yeah. their anxiety. It's yeah. just say, no matter what, we're going to have a great time and we're going to celebrate the joy of this outing with ice cream or with cocoa or with mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, bribing, bribing only increases the anxiety. So it's just yeah. giving them space to reset themselves and then move through it. But yeah, it's, it's really advocating for the kid because parents, we just want that one photo of the pretty twirly dress and right. Like we just want that. And there's, there's definitely a grief process that I had to go through with my daughter and that's not going to happen. You know, she's never going to wear those dresses and it's so hard, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah. 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 I mean, there's been sessions where, cause I do a lot of stylized children's You shoot. do. Yeah. And so running into situations where the children just do not want to wear the outfits. And it's like, if I don't know the information beforehand, it's really mm-hmm. hard to like tell when you should push and when you shouldn't. I typically yeah. don't push a kid. Like it's typically more of an approach of like, we're having playtime and this is supposed to be fun for you. And if it's not fun for you, then I don't think we should do it. I think that's beautiful. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's not just like the images, it's the memories that, that we're leaving with these families with too. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. It's the feeling of the session. And I think that's that's something that we forget sometimes when we're trying to create this art, that it's actually what they're going to feel after they walk away from the session. Did they feel yeah. like they had fun and they connected and yeah. that it was playtime, that it wasn't, you know, an artistic piece. Mm-hmm. I've been doing yeah. a little bit of reading about ADHD and rejection yeah. uh, dysphoria, I think it's called, mm-hmm. and how people with ADHD really feel that rejection and really feel it at a, a very higher level than um, non-neurodivergent people. Um, yeah. have the, is this something that you've seen as well in with your work and with your children or with your child? Definitely feel it with the children. It is, yeah. it is so hard and they go, they self-deprecate so quickly. <sighs> And yeah, it's, it's hard. And you do see that in your work too. And I've, I've had moments at the session where I'll pull the kiddo aside and I'll just have a conversation with them and I'll remind them that, Hey, this might be a struggle, but let's take a couple of deep breaths and know that your parents really love you. And they just have, you know, so it's just reminding them and taking them out of their stress zone. Yeah. I've had, um, I had a session, um, cause uh, you know, we have, have newborn clients and then sometimes families don't always stay together. And then there you have blended families. And I had one with a blended family with an older neurodivergent daughter. And I could see on her face, like the dad had asked just to have a daughter, like a picture with his new, the new baby. This is a new dad. And I could see the expression on her face. And I was just like, oh man, like this is just killing her. She's feeling like she's being rejected right now. And I can feel it and it's killing me. So 
um, what I actually asked was that the grandma just take um, daughter outside to go go do a little errand for me just yeah. so I could get it and not because you could just see it and you could feel it. And it just, yeah. yeah. So just being so sensitive, I think, to it how really the session is. flows and how and what we're going to leave these children with, with these memories. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is really just plugging into their emotions and, and feelings and being so sensitive to that is huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that you recognize that. That's so great. Oh, I can just feel it. I can feel it in my heart. I just, I think, I don't know if it's an mm-hmm. empath thing or just yeah. like I'm, I'm really highly sensitive. So I just tune in sometimes too much. <laughs> But it's I a superpower. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, your why as a photographer is to let children know they are unconditionally loved. And I love this so much. So how do you communicate this message with your photography? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like how we were talking about with the rejection. Um, I want to share why it's my why is kids with neurodivergence, with ADHD, autism, all of those things they tend to have such a higher rate of depression. We had moved about a year and a half ago and I was really slow to get family photos on the wall. And my daughter, Tessa, was just spiraling. She was going really, really dark, um, saying that she shouldn't be alive and things like that, like really, really hard um, things to see. And I had the thought of like, I can tell her again and again that I love her, but I need to show her. And when I cannot physically show her, she can have a picture. She can see that we are connected and that we love each other. So I got some family photos on the walls. It wasn't an immediate fix, but it was a big turnaround. And I was like, do you need a copy of this for your backpack? Do you need a copy Mm. of this by your bed? And it's helped. It helps because a picture is is worth a thousand words, right? So I, I really... I kind of want to save lives with these photos. You never Mm -hmm. know how people are feeling. And if they can see that their family is in this genuine moment, hugging, sometimes hugging, hugging doesn't always work for autistic people, right? So finding ways to create that connection in photos that they can hang on the wall. And I really encourage, like, don't just print the one that is everyone looking because that yeah. doesn't convey any emotion that that's a beautiful way to be like, look how pretty we are. And I always get one of those because grandma always wants one. Right. Yeah. But, um, just having that connection. And I do that by modeling play at the sessions. Like I'll go play hide and seek with the kids and then I'll tag out and it's mom and dad's turn and letting them know that it's, it's really, it's okay. You know, how are we, I let the kid figure out what inspires you in this scene. You know, here I see some fences. Do we want to climb those? And then, hey, mom and dad, what would you do if your kid was on the fence and there's not a photographer here? Like, and trying to get them out of the idea that someone is is watching them because mm-hmm. it's, we get really stiff. And, yeah. you know, and then what I love to do is watch what happens behind me. So I shoot with my viewfinder, but you know how we get like a reflection on the LCD screen? I use it like a rear view mirror and all the cuteness happens behind me and I'll see it there and I'll spin around and capture that like genuine moment where mom's just hugging the kid because they did a good job. Um, You just got to hope your camera (laughs) focuses fast, Uh right? But so just finding ways for them to play and connect and even 
even with kids that don't want to touch, they have their own ways of showing communication. You can just ask them to hold hands and look in each other's eyes. And sometimes that's just enough, you know, yeah. and it's not yeah, too much I of a touch. Now, have you had the experience of working with children that are, um, I guess, on a different level of the spectrum? Um, like with higher non, needs. Yeah, higher needs, nonverbal maybe. And what would, how would your approach change and, and how do you work with that? Yeah. So if they are a higher needs, it's, there's a lot of, hopefully in that situation, the parents have communicated it a bit more, um, but finding out if there are certain things that they really connect with. So some will really connect with a certain stuffed animal, make sure that they have their comfort item with them. Even if they are nonverbal. A lot of a lot of schools for the autistic kids are working towards um, having them communicate with a tablet, mm. um, and so having them bring their tablet because that's part of their life. That's their words. That's how they communicate. And asking if there, this is kind of important. Asking if there's behaviors that you don't want to accidentally reinforce. So someone mm. may be doing something and they did it one time, and someone laughed. And I mean, this goes for any kid, but it's so yeah. much harder to undo that programming <laughs> if there are higher needs. <laughs> um, so ask that ahead of time so that you don't like laugh at the wrong thing and inadvertently reinforce it. A lot of it is just letting the family know that whatever the kid does is going to be okay. Um, something that can make photographers and professionals and people uh, uncomfortable is the stimming that autistic like mm -hmm. higher needs ones have you heard of that oh yeah it, yeah yeah definitely. yeah and it's just them re regulating their nervous system so if they're flapping their arms or like making sounds or rocking back and forth let them do that that's them their way of making sure that their nervous system is regulated so yeah and even capturing that like as a mom I would yeah. want that captured because that's that's a proud moment. They're taking their care into their hands, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. They're they're learning to self regulate, and that's yes. actually something that you know, as you know, as adults, <laughs> we need to struggle do. with that, <laughs> right? It's not wine, I promise you. Right? I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. Now, choosing the right location and time of day is probably really important and crucial for neurodivergent families. So can you maybe share some of your location scouting tips and maybe some considerations? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it will depend on what type of neurodivergence the family has. So if you're working with an autistic kid, it's going to be a different type of scene than with an ADHD kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Because we we chase squirrels, right? <laughs> we, we like to be active. Um, so I try to choose my locations where there's a lot of different things to do. And where I start is a favorite spot. So if it is an autistic kiddo, um, high functioning or not, that they're not going to like transitions. So I need to make sure that the place that I'm starting is a place that has really good light, that I can get all the good portraits, and it's going to be a little bit calmer and quieter. Um, a place with lots of movement or dogs or things that could startle them would yeah. not be ideal. And then with ADHD kids or kids that are high energy, I like to make sure that there are fences to climb or trees to climb or leaves yeah. to throw. Just, I try to make sure there's at least three different scenes that I can move them to. Um, ADHD kids tend to have about a 10 minute focus before they're bored and ready yeah. to move on. And so if we can change up the energy, that's great. But like a beautiful field of flowers, which photographs wonderfully is not going to give us enough <laughs> stuff to do. 
So. Exactly. You need a wagon. You need flowers to blow. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is bubbles. you can bring stuff. Yeah. Bring yeah. bubbles. Bring. Exactly. That's exactly it is bring stuff to have fun. And you mentioned time of day. I, I mentioned earlier how I, I didn't even know what golden hour was. Yeah. And now if someone really wants golden hour and they have an anxious kid or an autistic kid or such, I'll tend to recommend it in the fall because our sunsets here really early. Yeah. So we can do a three o'clock golden hour yeah. session then, but it's going to be a little chilly. But yeah, in the morning, they they do so much better. Like my daughter had a piano recital and it was in the evening on a Saturday. And that was like torture for all of us because the anxiety just built up the entire day. And once it was done, it was great. She did great. But if they have something new to do, doing it in the morning is so much easier. So actually, yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, I even find that with myself sometimes too, is like when I have an activity that I know is like, at like four o'clock in the afternoon, I literally will have such a hard time getting anything done for the rest of the day. Even though I have so Me much too. to do, I keep thinking I'm going to be late. I need to do this. I, like, it's just like all these wheels going on in my head. Absolutely. About, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I absolutely. Get it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Morning sessions are where it's at. Yes. Yeah. So what questions do you recommend photographers ask parents of neurodivergent children during their pre-session planning phase to ensure a successful and comfortable experience for their children? I love that. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a very few, a wonderful and rare parent that's going to share with you that their child is somehow differently wired, right? So I have a magic question that I love to ask um, just to get people to open up. And I actually say, hey, at the session, I want you to relax and connect with your family. So it means that I need to lead the session, which is great because that sets me up as like I'm in charge. And I say, so pretend that I'm a babysitter and this is the very first time that you're leaving your kids with me. What would you tell me about them? What would what triggers them? What comforts them? What what should I know if you were leaving your kids with me for the first time? And I get some great answers and it clues me into whether I may have someone that might be neurodivergent there. They may say that they're, oh, they're sensory seeking. So if they just run into you, I'm sorry. You know, I've also had people that just say, oh, they're fine. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, we'll see how that goes, (laughs) you know, but I, that's, that's my favorite question to ask. And then Once you get information from there, then you can ask more questions on, like if you're going to do a studio session, if someone really wants a studio shoot and you kind of get some clues that this might be a high energy kid, you you can't say, are they going to respect my equipment or are they going to knock over my lights? So I like to say, hey, when you go over to a friend's house for the first time, how does your child interact with the furniture and things like that. Are they gentle? Are they kind? Are they, you know, just kind of plugging that in gently to get people to think about what type of environment their family is going to be entering into. So those are some of my questions. Um, I love that because, you know, a lot of the times we ask surface questions on like, what props do you want? What style are you looking for? What location would you prefer? And we're not asking these deeper questions, but oh my gosh, those are brilliant. Those give you such insight into how you will strategize your sessions. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, because then you can, then I'm in charge of suggesting the location that's going to be a good fit. Like, okay, it sounds like you've got a high energy kid. These are my favorite parks for someone that likes to run around a lot. Or if they are very shy, 
this is my good quiet park or place to be. And then, cause we're the professionals and that's, what's so hard is we're very much the like customer service focused, but we can't forget that we're the experts and we need to guide them so that they have an amazing session experience no matter what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now it's session flow and timing and understanding family dynamics are really important aspects. So how do you navigate these factors to create a seamless and efficient photo session for these families? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, If there's a sibling, I always do my sibling photos first. Always, always. Sibling dynamics are super tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, even neurotypical ones, but especially with uh, neurodivergent ones, um, Tessa doesn't realize how strong, I mean, she's little, but she doesn't, I mean, that's part of her reflexes that didn't get integrated. She, she just wraps her arms around and is like choking my other one. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, but we see that a lot. So I've learned to, to start with the siblings before the anxiety and like the play really, they start to loosen up. And then we can get some playful sibling ones later. Um, but I, I go siblings and then I go whole family. So I take the siblings and then I add the whole family in. And then I get all the photos with that neurodivergent kid yeah. first. And if there's two neurodivergent kids, go with the one that is the most high energy <laughs> first mm. <Yeah. laughs> so that they can then have a break and and relax. And sometimes it takes them time. I mean, that's my ideal session flow. Yeah. But sometimes it takes some time to warm up. So you just yeah. roll with it. But I love to end with play. I just, okay, thank you so much for letting me take all these photos of, you know, you guys yeah. doing this. Now let's go find what, what inspired you the most here and just letting them open up and, mm-hmm. and go with it. Now, do you ever have the experience where the child doesn't warm up and how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have <laughs> had, especially during the pandemic when the kids yes. were like so sheltered. I had one little girl scream at me for 40 minutes. It was, you know, it was yeah. great. But at the same time, the fact that I stuck with it and we just played, I just put the camera down and we just started exploring the park and she ended up warming up and the parents were so appreciative that's that's the other thing I would say is I always build in an extra half hour bumper just in case there's a meltdown at the during the session so we have time for that and they walk away knowing that they were seen and heard but I I've also had ones where I call it and I'm like hey this isn't a good experience for anybody yeah. Let's try again. <laughs> Let's yeah. try again. It's okay. Group another day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is just, oh my gosh. One of our family sessions, um, we did it. I didn't think about it. I totally didn't think about it, but it was the day that uh, Tessa had an assembly. It was a, a veterans day assembly and she was so overstimulated from being yeah. in that environment. She was just manic during the session. Yeah. And we, we just were flabbergasted. We didn't know what to do. I had like the photographer didn't know what to do. And it was, it was really, so yeah, there's just some days that aren't good days. <laughs> yeah. And actually that that's interesting because that would actually be something that you may like want to even add into mm-hmm. your literature when you're, you know, chatting. If you have, if you have clients with neurodivergent yeah. children, like, and you've seen some things there, you know, just making sure that this isn't an overloaded day for the kid and, yeah. you know, just making sure that we're sensitive to what's going on for the whole day. Because yeah, that, I mean, mm-hmm. I've had so many sessions where I've got holiday minis and they're like back-to-back sessions. Yes. 
and you end up having a session. And typically I would actually have to schedule an entire full day of reshoots because Mm -hmm. I knew ultimately out of probably 57 families, at least we're going to have to come back. And that was, that's just okay. That's just like the nature of the beast. And sometimes it's just going to be that way. That's so amazing. You do that, you know, just like, and because sometimes they are nervous because they're meeting you for the first time and they don't Mm -hmm. know how to behave with a stranger or like, there's so many different variables on why they're not comfortable yep. that I hate, I would hate to be, be like, no, oh, too bad. So sad. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. Um, I do recommend in my, my pre-session communication, like make sure nothing happens before the session. Yeah. Let this be the big event for the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like babies and shots. Like we don't want to have, like, it's like new, like one-year-old sessions when you've got babies coming, they've just come from their shots and you're just like, oh my gosh, your baby had the shot yesterday. Of course they don't want to do the cake smash. They think I'm going to hurt them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or circumcisions for like the little ones. Learn that the hard way. Like, oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You don't want to pose them on their tummy right after that procedure. Right. So many different things. So many different things. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any advice for photographers who really want to create that welcoming and inclusive environment for neurodivergent families, but they haven't experienced working with them before. So they are maybe a little bit nervous, a little nervous. I think the advice I would say is really just think about how that kiddo might be feeling and just put yourself in their shoes, leading with empathy and compassion. And it's going to be fine. If you listen to that kid, especially like, so the ADHD kids, they just, Tessa will hit you with a flow of talk. Like just, she'll just talk, 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 right? Sit and listen to them. They have so much beautiful like information and creativity to share and just yeah hear and respect them that would be the thing that I'd say to start with don't be scared they're just a kid that's that's scared of you honestly so just show them love and compassion yeah I have a shirt that says compassion over compliance and that's like my mantra because that's it right 100% I love that so you ready for our lightning round yes okay um if you like to cook what do you like to cook the most I really love this Guinness Irish stew that I love to cook. Yum. Uh, What's your favorite movie? Legally Blonde. (laughs) Anyone that can go from like not having, yeah, just so inspiring. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. (laughs) What did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? I wanted to be a teacher. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Favorite guilty or not so guilty pleasure? So I really love baking and drinking a glass of wine while I'm baking at night. And it's just fun for me. I love it. Okay. What do you love to bake? I love pies and cupcakes and cakes Mm, the most. Yum. Oceans or mountains and why? Oceans. I love the ocean. It's so humbling and peaceful and just amazing to me. I love it. Do you go to the Oregon coast often? Yes. Yes. Lincoln City and Newport Bay are like my favorite places to go. I love that. We've actually just booked a trip this summer. We're going to do the Oregon coast in our motorhome. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) How fun. So what's your favorite comfort food? Favorite comfort food is chocolate cake. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Um, Where do you feel most centered and happy? 
Um, so I mentioned earlier, I have a painting degree. So oil painting when I'm in front of my easel, that's my happy place for sure. I love that. What is something you've accomplished as an adult your younger self would be proud of? That I'm a good mom. That yeah. was a huge accomplishment for me that I'm really working to advocate and love my daughter for who she is. I'm not trying to fix her. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Do you have any personal projects going on right now? And if so, what is it? So my personal project is actually working to educate photographers on the neurodivergent community. And I'm putting together classes on, on how to do that. So people don't feel scared and people can just add that to their tool belt. So that's, that's my project right now. Yeah. I love that. So can you maybe share your approach to self-care and mental well-being to avoid burnout as a photographer? Mm-hmm. And mama. Uh, and mama, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that is so hard. Uh, the best advice that I was given that is so easy for everyone to do is just make sure you get enough sleep. Make yeah. sure you drink water. And I'm so bad at remembering the water. I am a coffee and wine sort of person. <laughs> but um, that's when I when I feel really run down. That's the best. Yeah. And then an Epsom salt bath is mm. so good on our bodies after we're chasing kids and stuff. Yeah, I love it. I have a water bottle because I've been I've been really trying to like. And it's, it's funny. I left it in my car because oh, I no. take it everywhere. But I left it in my car today. This is massive one, and my husband calls it my emotional support water bottle. <laughs> it goes everywhere it. with me, like everywhere. <laughs> See, that's what we need emotional support water bottle. I love it. <laughs> so, what advice do you have for someone just starting out in photography? Know your worth. Mm. Don't don't sell yourself short. And that took me way too many years to remember and, and actually believe. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. So where can our listeners learn more from you? So I am on Instagram and Facebook at feasible photography. And then I have the neurodivergent classes are available. I've got one that's pre-session photography strategies that's already out. And I'm working on a session workflow one. And that's at ndphotographyed.com. So ND like neurodivergent. I love that. Awesome. So I love to end my interviews just with this last question. And it is, what are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? I'm always curious about learning more about neurodivergence. That's one thing. But I'm actually really finding a lot of artistic interest in traditions and how do we execute them, especially around the holidays as as things are coming up. And can we photograph those? And can we do that in home and really just, yeah, that's a great plane of connection. So that's what I'm exploring right now. Oh, I love that. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I love it. Oh, my beautiful friends. I hope you have loved this conversation just as much as I have. I'm sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day. We will see you next time. I wanted to take a moment to ask you a little favor. I so appreciate you spending your time with me and tuning in and listening to the show. I would be so incredibly grateful if you could take a quick moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 
Your review helps other photographers discover the podcast and learn how to grow their own photography businesses and gain confidence to go after their dreams. It also means the world to me personally and helps me know what content you find most helpful. Thank you so much for your support and for being part of our amazing community.